This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Min Dariwal. And welcome to The Loop. Min, walk me through a good day. What does that mean to you? Um, I, I think a good day is uh, waking up uh, feeling feeling good. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, spending some quality time with the fam, you know, enjoying a hot cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Super hot. Yeah. And, you know, you can kind of smell it being made and all that stuff. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then um, just hanging out and not having to run around uh, like a chicken without his head on. <laughs> I agree. I think the key aspect of a, a, a good day is yeah. kind of like a slow day. Yeah. A slow start. But still maybe some productivity. So you get to the end of yes. the day, you're like, I did something. Yeah, maybe at least four of this, you know, four to six hours out of that day will have some meaningful stuff involved. Yeah. And the other stuff just kind of... A walk. Yeah, a walk would be good. Fresh cooking air. a meal. Exactly. Just hanging. I, this is the thing is it's these these good moments that they don't have to be spectacular. No. But they're really lovely. Yeah. And I feel like right now it's a good time to talk goodness. One, because Good Friday. Right. Which is obviously coming up. That's the day this episode comes out. Mm -hmm. But also because there's a lot of bad going on right now. Oh, yeah, there is. And two years into a pandemic, which is kind of crazy to say. I think a lot of us are seeking ways to bring some of that good stuff in. Whether it's big or small, right? Whether you're playing it safe, maybe, still. Because, as we know, COVID isn't over. Or you're going out and you're maybe exploring the world more. You're on the hunt for some of those good moments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And... um I mean, you know, I've got a 94-year-old granny in this city and yeah. my mom. And so, uh, you know, they're they're solo. But, uh, I mean, going over and spending quality time with them, you know, I think once you reach, especially for them at that age, like yeah. every everybody who's obviously younger is busy with their lives. If they have kids or whatever, they get caught up in that stuff. But, you, yeah, you got to remember to uh, look after those folks. and 100%. Uh, Spread the goodness around. Spend some around. quality time with them, yeah. Yeah. Ask them how they're doing and... It's not all just about texting them and finding out that way, you know, face to face is important, right? Face to face. If you're my grandpa, you can't actually FaceTime, which is an excellent yeah. skill. Yeah. No, it's true. It's And I think it, it can be the little good thing, spending a day with a loved one. Yes. Taking someone out for a walk, bringing someone a hot coffee yeah. or a nice treat Paying when you're having forward, a rough time. Right? And I think, honestly, like uh, getting off of the devices, it, I think it's, uh, it helps and um, it just allows you to kind of, you know, Put away all that craziness that's happening and not have to have it in your face constantly kind of, you know, doom scrolling from yes. one thing to another, from one platform to another. It just, <laughs> it's just such a time killer, I find. Yeah. And um, so for me, a lot of it has been like if I'm watching something or, um, you know, uh, doing something, not to have to feel like I got to tweet. Well, and I think that comes here. A lot of goodness me. and good feeling comes from nostalgia. Right. And like maybe these more like old school moments where we're off of our phones. Yeah. Because putting that phone away, you're like, oh, it's like the good old days again, right? Like and if I had a dollar for every time someone <laughs> said that to me, like, oh, remember the good days, like the good old days. Yeah. And, that, and I'm like, yeah, I remember them. Uh, like they're not coming back, but there are small ways when, in which we can remind ourselves of them. I yeah. Think. And that right? old school stuff, it just has like this nice fuzzy glow around yeah. it. Like leaving your phone at home and going for a walk or, yeah. you know, I even just I like to listen to old cassettes. But one thing that feels really good and is very old school is getting mail and not, of Mm. course, the emails or the essays that I sometimes send via text Um, or, you know, in my mailbox, there's usually McDonald's coupons that show up (laughs) every few weeks. Of course. But a handwritten letter. 
Wow. When was the last time you wrote or received oh, one of those? Man. It's been a long time. It's been <laughs> really? at least 20 years. What do you think was like the last one you wrote? Letter. Uh I it was probably correspondence between Karen and I and uh maybe during the, you know, pre-marriage days. The courting days. But it wasn't really handwritten, right? It was like it was it was over a computer. <laughs> and so um but like to have written a an email like that, it's been a while, yeah. you know, but um yeah, I'd have to go uh, before marriage, and and maybe it was like when I was single and traveling, or mm-hmm. you know, postcards. You know, you always kind of had to handwrite those. Oh yeah. So there was that, and um, yeah, but it has it definitely has been a while. Yeah. It would take some getting used to again, I think. <laughs> right. It'd probably be a lot of paper that gets crumpled up. Oh, probably. Start over again. There's something really lovely about that. Yeah, there definitely is. Yeah. I mean, there's a charm to it. There's no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. Luckily, in town. There is someone here in Edmonton who's doing the work mm. to keep handwritten letters alive. And, of course, I think her, her penmanship is probably a lot better than mine is. Uh, Tracy Losey is the owner of Parcel and Prose on 124th Street. Tracy, thank you for coming on the loop. Thanks for having me. So how did you come to running a stationery store? Um, well, to be honest, it's just something I've always loved. And all of my favorite stores were starting to close up shop and move away. And and uh, I just felt like there was a need for it in the city again. Yeah. I mean, every time I enter a stationary store, I feel like I get a little more calm. Everything's so organized and clean. And uh, What do you love about it so much? Um, I think just there's something comforting about paper and pens to me. And, you know, a lot of people walk into the store and just say, oh, my God, I love stationery. And and I don't know exactly what it is, but it's <laughs> there's just something kind of traditional and and nostalgic about it. Yeah, absolutely. Every notebook I buy now has to be pretty to make up for the ones I wrote in in high school. So <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, and now you use those paper and pens in the pandemic. You did a personalized letter and card writing campaign. How did that start? Um, yeah, that's right. Well, basically, um, I don't have an online store, so I wanted to be able to reach my customers um, in ways that worked for, for me and for them. Because people couldn't come out and shop, most places were closed or locked down. I wanted people to still have the option, if, if they were thinking of someone, to let them know and, and to connect with people in ways other than a Zoom call or a phone call. So I basically just said to every to people online, um, you know, if you're thinking of someone, if you've got an event coming up, a birthday, or if you just want to say hello to somebody, let me know and I'll help you pick out the right card and we'll write, we'll put something together and I'll send it on your behalf. That's that's so cool. I mean, it's 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 almost old school, really. <laughs> um, it is, and right? that's kind of you know what I've always been trying to promote is mm-hmm. keeping people connected in ways other than online. So. So I'm just wondering, Tracy, what what kind of messages were people sending to each other? Um, A lot of them were actually young people sending notes to their grandparents and saying, you know, I'm sorry we can't visit or, you know, I wish we could be there for the holidays or a birthday or a lot of it was just missing you and thinking of you and hoping that you're doing well. And any that kind of stick out? I mean, some of those, I'm sure, were, you know, really sweet and, and things that, I you know, I almost think that people aren't used to uh, anymore, mm-hmm. right? Because we're always texting or we're always so digital nowadays, but uh, this is really kind of taking it back. It is, yeah. And, like, I guess for the most part it was just, it was kind of 
in some ways I felt a little intrusive diving into these people's yeah. lives, but, um, but it felt really nice to be able to be that in-between person and help them, help them connect like that. So. And, and had you been writing any of your own uh, letters at that point? Um, I, I do write a few letters back and forth. Um, I have a few people that I stay in touch with that way, yeah. I just want to confirm, there were no, like, breakup letters sent, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, they were very positive. (laughs) I'm just, I'm curious, because, I mean, that would be classier than a text message. Um, (laughs) Now, the pandemic, too, wasn't your only time as as a letter writer for other people. Um, I want to hear more about this campaign that you did for healthcare workers. What was that about? Um, Well, I felt really bad for healthcare workers when, um, you know, people were sort of turning the tables and protesting at hospitals and things like that. And I know a few nurses and it was exhausting for them. And uh, I wanted to spearhead a a campaign of gratitude for them. And so that's what we did. There's, um, I just collected a bunch of thank you notes and postcards and things like that and asked everyone who came in the store to write a thank you note to a healthcare worker and we put them on display for Thinking of You Week and had them up in our windows and had people just drop off their own letters if they wanted. And then we had a few nurses from from University Hospital who picked them up and put them up on bulletin boards and stuff on the COVID floors so the nurses and hospital staff could read them and know that they were appreciated. Wow. Did, did you hear about the reaction to that? What did they say? Yeah, um... Actually, one of the one of the nurses who put them up for me said that people were really touched and that she would spot people on their break just reading them, and, and it made everybody feel really good. So, like, I wanted to do my part, however small. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I also have to ask, because I got, like, I wrote a lot in high school by hand, um, and it hurts. <laughs> like, writing is, <laughs> is hard work. You can really hurt your wrist if you're doing it too much. Like, do you have any muscle cramps when you're writing all these notes out for people? Um, it was a lot more than I'm used to, that's for sure. Um, but no, it was, it was, uh, I was more concerned about making a mistake than I was about my hand hurting. So, Did you make many mistakes? Did you have to do rewrites? Um, I only had to do one or two rewrites. The rest were pretty good. Okay. I got to ask too, I mean, your calligraphy and penmanship, I have like chicken scratch. Wow. I was just going to bring this up. Yeah. <laughs> because my I feel like my writing has gotten worse because I you know in our line of work we're always in front of a computer yeah. or on a laptop I rarely write and when I do you know you'd think I I'm a doctor or something like that because yeah. it's barely legible. <laughs> yeah. But it's some I well, think it's I, like anything you got to you have to practice it, right? You got to you got to do it. Yeah, for sure. And and it's a, it's a skill that you can certainly um you know, polish. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I need yeah, that. I've always had good penmanship, so I guess that's, that's just a, a bonus. Came in handy. And yeah. I, I was just going to ask you, I wonder, what do you think the, you know, is the power and romance really behind handwritten letters? Like, you know, why why do you think it's so much better or maybe meaningful than, than just a, an email? Um, I think for a lot of reasons. Um, for starters, just, I think just even the choice to sit down and write to somebody is a lot more personal than just shooting off a text. Mm-hmm. You're, you're picking out paper, you're picking out a card, you're picking out the pen. You, you know, it's, it all takes a lot more time and thoughtfulness. Yeah. Um, and then it's also something that you can keep and mm. revisit and, you know, put it in a box somewhere and pull it out. And in that way, it's almost, it's almost a time capsule of a moment in time, right? 
I'm glad you brought that up because you, yeah. you often hear people talking about uh, letters they've kept from their, uh, not just the ones they've written, but maybe from their grandparents or, you know, parents from ba- back in the day and, and they all live somewhere in a closet or in a box somewhere, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, and you can revisit those and go back to that feeling that you had. Do you have any special ones that you've held on to or any, any meaningful letters that uh, that have stayed with you? Yeah, I have a I have a box full in my closet. <laughs> um, you know, just some love letters from my husband and I before we got married, nice. and and you know some diaries from high school, and anything that my kids have ever given me on a piece of paper, I've kept. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 nice and it's special. Yeah, absolutely. Things are opening up, of course. Are you still seeing people interested in in sending handwritten letters and cards? I am. In fact, I've I've really seen an uptick in people looking for that. So, really? Yeah. I recently brought in um, some glass pens and ink bottles and things, and people are just fascinated. And, oh, wow. And, <laughs> you know, people are taking up calligraphy, and I have a lot more people coming in looking for letter paper. And so I think it's, you know, for some for some younger people, it's kind of like an old school thing that that they find really cool. So yeah, I'm seeing a lot more more interest in it. Yeah, analog is back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it is, and I think maybe you know, there's some digital fatigue. In the last two years, all we've been Absolutely. is on screen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for someone who might be hesitant to put pen to paper, what would you say to encourage us to try communicating in this maybe more old fashioned way? I don't know. I think maybe just to try and, and convince you that there's there's a bit of a romantic element to it. You know, if you wanted to send something special and create a, a, a meaningful moment for someone, I think that would be a good start. And, you know, you, you can write anything. It doesn't have to be super personal. You can just write about your day or, or what's happening in your life at the moment and, and just sort of make somebody's day with something in the mail that's not a bill. <laughs> Gro- grocery list. <laughs> Romantic grocery lists. Man, exactly. if you ever write a grocery list for your wife. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry. It's the other way around. Trust <laughs> me. Trust me. I think the thing about right now is that a lot of things are shifting. Hmm. And, I mean, to me at least, it feels kind of weird, right? That big shift of naturally being back to work. Right. It's been weird. It's going to take some adjustment. Yeah, it there's has. no doubt. Because really, for two years, if you haven't been uh, commuting or going into an office, you're going to have yeah. to get used to uh, not being used to what you were doing at home. Uh-huh. Well, and even like for us, I mean, we were kind of on and off, right? We were in we sometimes, were in and out, out yeah. sometimes. In and out. It's still weird to be back full time. Yeah. And to be in. There was one day or one week a, a little while ago where I was in every day and I was like, whoa. Yeah. A routine. <laughs> This is weird. Yeah. I have to make lunches. I can't wear sweats. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to try to still wear sweats. I'm working on that. Um, but it is. It, it's yeah. just strange to be back in these spaces and to have to think about all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And you're with so many people. Yeah, there is a lot of people back. And some of that is, I think, in the last couple of years, we got used to being in more empty spaces. Because, right. you know, six feet, people, that kind of thing. But also, um, I'm just not used to thinking about how I look. 
or how people think about it, or even how quick I walk. I wonder for people who have been awake completely, <laughs> mm. just how big of an adjustment it is. Because I mean, like you said, over the last two years, it's, it's been a little bit of both. Start at home and then yeah. end up here inevitably, or be here for a couple of days a week. And I mean, you know, talking face to face is it's it's old hat still. It's, yeah, it's what we've been doing. But for some people. They've just been doing it. Yeah, they've been doing it on a screen. You can see more than people's shoulders. (laughs) Well, that's it. And, you know, eye contact and all that. Body language. Using your hands. And, yeah, it's. I think for some people it's going to be – it'll be a little bumpy at first. But, I mean, it's like riding a bike. They'll they'll get used to it. Well, and it's just that we're not used to a lot of things, right? We're not used to to being face-to-face, to to thinking about all these different layers. And, and, you know, even if you weren't alone in the last two years, you were usually around safe company that didn't mind your sweatpants. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I wanted to to figure out and get some advice for not only us, but other folks, too, who are returning to the office and figure out how we can start feeling good again about being back at work and in these spaces. So so I reached out to Chanel Wilton, a registered psychologist with Insight Psychological in Edmonton. Hey, Chanel, thanks for being here. Hi. So what are you hearing from folks in terms of getting back to work and and when it comes to the way that our heads are feeling about it? Yeah, so definitely there's increased nervousness and anxiety about going into in-person work. So given the isolation of the pandemic, um, it's natural that we would have some reservations about going back uh, into a setting where there's more people and some of these varied social interactions we've just been pretty rusty on because we're out of practice for a few years now. Yeah, I feel like there's a certain thing about, I just don't know how to talk to people anymore. I feel like, are you hearing that? Yeah, so some of those, we call them kind of unhelpful thinking traps or biases are sneaking in where we tell ourselves these things like, I won't be able to converse well, or I don't know how to talk anymore. These really (laughs) kind of rigid blanket statements that drive up the anxiety for us. I mean, it's hard too, because I feel like, We've had to communicate in so many different ways. So what's something we can do to kind of maybe bring our headspace back so that that kind of communication is easier? So one of the simple things that we can do before we're returning to in-person work or before we're going into a social setting is just remind ourselves that the anticipation is often worse than the reality of the experience. So remember that your anxiety is likely to naturally decrease during your interaction or after the first few days of going back to work as you get into practice. So you can think of past reference points where you may have been nervous and you were still able to cope through. So we've all been through work interviews or had to go through the first week at a new job. Remember that the anxiety feeds off of us overestimating the threat and underestimating our ability to cope. So think about those past situations, give yourself a more kind of reasonable perspective and remind yourself, I've done it before, I can do it again. Yeah. I, I mean, I know you're the helper, but are you experiencing any of this kind of back to work or back to real life anxiety at all? I, uh, for sure. So this is something that across the board affects people. So we know in general, social anxiety, a lot of us experience characteristics of it. And then definitely when we've been out of practice, like we said, and we've been isolated, it, that would ramp it up for everyone. Yeah. Um, so for myself, I think even transitioning from going from primarily doing online or phone sessions to now going back to in-person sessions or having to um, remove the mask now. So kind of thinking about, oh, I haven't 
seen some people's faces before <laughs> and just being a little bit jarred by that and thinking, oh, okay, now I have to reorient myself to seeing someone's full face and <laughs> engaging in right a more kind of normative way. It is funny. It's like even uh, you don't realize how much facial hair there is in the world until now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I had a colleague too mention just it, it's interesting. It's the smallest thing. She was sitting at her desk in the newsroom and it's quite an open space. She was eating an apple and she was keenly aware of how loud the apple was. Like we're just mm-hmm. so not used to sharing these spaces anymore, right? Yeah. And that's a really good example of that kind of self-focused energy that ramps up anxiety. So we really are, like you said, keenly aware or hyper-focused on the things that we're doing or what we're saying or our own internal experience. And that really ramps up the anxiety. So I try to encourage people to kind of get out of your head and get out of your internal world and try and focus on the conversation that you're having at hand or the other person that can really help to kind of decrease it and make you more present focused. Yeah. I mean, to, to hyper-focus on myself for a second, I'm having a weird feeling of just being perceived. Like, I'm not used to being in a, in a room with so many other people that can just kind of see my whole self. Like, I, how do I overcome this weird feeling of, oh, man, they're judging, like, what socks I chose? I, one, is that even normal? But how do I get past that? Yeah, so that's kind of something that we call the spotlight effect. So this idea that we're overestimating the degree to which other people are noticing our behaviors or appearance. And it can be really heightened or apparent when we've engaged in some kind of social misstep or blunder. In reality, others are not noticing your socks or are far less preoccupied (laughs) with you than we think that they are. They're in their own internal world and they're thinking about themselves. So even just reminding yourself of that fact and saying, We call it name it to tame it. So name it. Say, oh, I'm doing the spotlight effect thing where I'm hyper-focused on myself and thinking that others are too, but I know they're not. There isn't a spotlight on me. No one else is really paying attention. It's like the whole main character thing. It's like in my movie, but not others. Yeah. (laughs) How do you know, though, if it... Because it has been an incredibly tough couple of years, and there's no doubt some people who are feeling lasting effects of everything we've been through. So how do you know if it's more than just situational anxiety you're feeling right now? Yeah, so that's a good question. Because like I said, everyone is going to experience likely some characteristics of this social anxiety and some of the symptoms. But when we get into it being more problematic is when you notice that you're unable to or resisting engaging in things that you really need to or that you normally would. So if it's to the point that you're missing quite a bit of work or you're not going to see friends or spend time with family and you're having really high degrees of distress or discomfort during it and you're having trouble getting through it, um, that's a really great time to maybe reach out and get some support, see if you can talk to someone. There's a lot of really great ways that we can treat this now. So it's not something that you have to endure alone. I like that you mentioned talking to people because even if it, it maybe it's not a professional, a professional, um, yeah. you know, there are now people that we're seeing more face to face that used to be just like little tiny boxes on screens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are, are there conversations you think we should or could be having with colleagues or friends as we kind of manage our mental health going forward? Yeah. So like you said, just the exposure of speaking to people is going to be helpful for kind of combating this and getting back to our previous functioning. And some of the conversations might be saying, 
that you're you're quite nervous to be returning to the office or um, being vulnerable and talking about you know your anxieties of being out of practice. So just being you know pretty direct about it can be disarming and it can help everyone and yourself. One other thing that I know I've heard from a few people, it, it's starting to hit is just like as life changes, so is the way that we're spending our money. It's all happened really quickly, right? All of a sudden it's back to work and all of a sudden I'm paying for, you know, a new pair of shoes because mine were gross and I'm paying for parking downtown because I haven't figured out the bus, you know, buying coffee downtown versus just making it at home. As we kind of return to the world, how do we manage our feelings when it might be trickier to handle maybe our money? Yeah, so in some ways, perhaps it's kind of reorienting our priorities and having to reconfigure, you know, what are the things of value that we're spending our money on. So, right, when we were working from home, it was, it's easy to make a coffee from home and that seemed, you know, really accessible. But maybe now you do enjoy getting a coffee on your way to work or you stop somewhere. And if it's something that really makes your day go better and it's a part of your routine that you want to get back to that you really enjoyed just being kind or compassionate to yourself and saying yeah it's okay if I spend the extra couple dollars in getting a coffee outside of the home yeah it's like you shouldn't feel bad about it kind of thing if it does actually make you feel good yeah 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 I, I guess that's kind of the core of this right like what's your best advice for people how do we get back to feeling good again now that we're back in the world in this way Part of it is, especially if we're feeling anxious about it, is just slowly kind of reintroducing ourselves and slowly re-entering these social settings that maybe we've been anxious about or that we've been avoiding and just haven't been possible for some time. Um, and kind of telling yourself that it'll come back naturally, right? So these social skills, maybe they're a little bit dormant or asleep, but they'll wake up naturally as you get into um, kind of get into the group of it. You can also think about coping statements to remind yourself of. So saying things like, I can survive this, or this has been hard for everyone and we're all a little bit rusty. Um, thinking about in the past, my coworkers or others have been kind to me. Probably it'll be the same when I return to work. And then some of the really simple kind of foundational pieces that I say would have been true prior to the pandemic, during, and now post. So the self-care pieces around sleep, exercise, balanced eating, all of those things that maybe we're tired of hearing about, those are always <laughs> true regardless of the time. And getting back to that um, can help with our routine and returning to work as well. So I'll just keep telling myself, nobody cares about my socks as much as I do. Nobody's looking at my socks. <laughs> <laughs> The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton, and our team this week is Min Dariwal, Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, and James Evans. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common, and I'm Claire Bachman. And I'm Min, and uh, as always, want to thank everybody for listening, and there's always so much more to know and to get into The Loop with us every Friday. So, you know, leave us a rating, a review, tell us what's on your mind, tell us what you think. You can also uh, get in touch with us. We have an email, theloop at cbc.ca. Use the hashtag theloopcbc on social media. I'm at Min Dariwal on Twitter. And Claire, you're at Nami Nob. As always. And of course, follow the show on CBC Listen or your favorite podcasting app. Have a great Easter weekend. See you next week. Yeah. 
no. And I, and I think that joke didn't land with you. Good, yeah, well, a little bit. Man, it, it was a bit of a reach. Wow. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.